Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Good afternoon, Thursday afternoon. It is fresh thinking time, so welcome aboard. And as the clock is ticking ever closer to Rosh Hashanah, I hope that you have all your ducks in a row, everything prepared that you're feeling confident, that you're feeling focused, that you're feeling inspired, because that is really what it is that we want to do at this time of the year. So um, I hope that you're in that space. And I, I guess that's what we should talk about, right? Although I, not necessarily about getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, because we've done a lot of that, and I'm sure many of the other people who've been on air during the course of this week have spoken about that. But we definitely should focus on Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> And perhaps uh, one or two things that could help get our heads right. So that's what we're going to talk about over here today. As always, you are part of the conversation. You're an integral part of the conversation. So keep these numbers handy. You can send SMSs on 34519. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. And for people who like to give more of a story than just a comment, on air at Chai FM. Dot com. So today is the 26th day of the month of Elul. We know that the month of Elul is the warm-up month. It is the prep month towards Rosh Hashanah. This is the, the time we round off the year that was and we prepare for the year that will be. And the 26th of Elul is probably a little bit overlooked. It's kind of sandwiched in between other big days on the Jewish calendar. And, of course, the biggest of the lot looming large would have to be Rosh Hashanah on Sunday night. So that's where everybody's looking. But perhaps we didn't look at yesterday's date, the 25th of Elul. Quite a significant date, the 25th of Elul. And it's a funny Date Because the 25th of Elul marks the anniversary of the creation of the world. Now, that's why I say that's strange. And that's exactly what I want to speak about today. And I I really want to hear your views on this and your insights because uh, there's some people over here who have really good insights. And we learn all kinds of things. Last week's uh, conversation, for example, we're talking about what kind of a Jew are you. I found it so absolutely fascinating, the the things that came out of that conversation and the amount that we learned from it and eventually actually uh, did a blog on it, to be honest. So it's, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to always get out of these conversations. So yesterday, the 25th of Elul, is the day that is supposed to commemorate the anniversary of the creation of the world, which then begs the question, so why was yesterday not Rosh Hashanah? I mean, it's very strange to imagine that you're celebrating Rosh Hashanah, which is where we're going to change the calendar year on all of our Jewish documentation, and yet it doesn't actually line up with the original story. So Rosh Hashanah does not commemorate the creation of the world. And maybe somebody there has got uh, very quick fingers, and you can tell us quickly, Rosh Hashanah will then commemorate the anniversary of what? Because if you have a look in the liturgy that we say on Rosh Hashanah, we say, This day, referring to the day of Rosh Hashanah, is Tehillas Masecho, it's the beginning of your work, the your being with a capital Y, we're talking, we're talking to God in that particular reference. And we say Zikaroin Luyom Rishon, it is a commemoration of the very first day ever in history. Now that sounds very much as if we're saying this is a day to commemorate creation. And what I've just illustrated to you is the Talmud says very clearly that Rosh Hashanah is not designed to 
commemorate creation, even though the prayers say those words. So what does it commemorate? If it's not creation, what is it? Uh, it's certainly the anniversary of something original, has to be, because this is when we change our calendar. This is when we say X amount of years have passed since, what's the since? Since the creation of the world. So it's a bit weird, a bit odd. Let's see if anybody knows what it is that Rosh Hashanah commemorates. And, of course, that's bearing in mind that we say in our prayers on Rosh Hashanah, we say, Hayoim Haras Oilam. That's during the Musaf, this, the additional prayer service that we do in the morning of Rosh Hashanah. And during the course of the Musaf, we blow the shofar as well during the repetition. And then we say this paragraph, Hayoim Haras Oilam. And one of the translations, probably the most oft-used translation, is today the world trembles. And that speaks to the heart of the fact that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. So needless to say, if you knew that everything about the next 12, or in this case 13 months, because we're going into a leap year. So if you knew that everything was being judged, sure. You would get just a little bit stressed, just a little bit overwhelmed, have a little bit of a tremor that runs through your body. So that's Hayom Haras Olam. Today is the day that the world trembles. However, there is another translation that is often given, and that is Hayom Haras Olam. Today is the birthday of the world. So there you have it again, reinforced again, that somehow we're commemorating an event that happened 5,779 years. That's what it will be this year. Uh, on this particular date, and that's the story of creation, yet the date is wrong. Because, as I say, the Talmud identifies that we deliberately don't celebrate the commemoration of creation on the day that it happened. We commemorate it on the day that something else happened. And perhaps somebody listening knows what that is. Because we're going to talk directly to what it is that we're going to discuss and debate and explore over here today. So that's why this should become quite interesting. Or at least I hope it will become quite interesting. So anybody, anybody at all know what it is that Rosh Hashanah commemorates. And your clue is not the creation of the world. It's not the story of, uh, no, I shouldn't say it's not the story. It is the story of creation, but it's not the date. It's not the date of creation. So that's what we're going to play with over here today and, and uh, develop a whole approach and a whole insight to Rosh Hashanah that perhaps you hadn't known about before, hadn't thought about before. And that's what we're going to talk about over here today. So Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year, or as it's more correctly translated, the head of the year, the time when we say it's now 5,779 years since creation, coincides not with the creation of the world. But, okay, I'll give you another hint. If you work it out, if the 25th of Elul, which was yesterday, is the day that the world was created, so Rosh Hashanah is six days later. That's a hefty clue as to what it is that Rosh Hashanah actually represents. So if you know 34519, or if you're good at little bit of basic arithmetic and you can work out hang on a second if the world was created on a day then what happened six days later you might actually have solved this particular puzzle so let's see let's see if we can work that one out um, i'll give it another couple of seconds to see if anybody comes through that answer i'm sure i'm absolutely sure that there are people listening who say oh that's so obvious everybody knows that i'm not even going to put my name to that kind of an answer uh yeah well don't be don't be shemzach as they say here's an sms from gila and gila is on the money says rosh hashanah is the celebration of the creation of adam harishon the very first human being who was ever created 
appreciated. And thank you, Gila, for that, because that's exactly what I want to talk about today. I want to ask you the question, considering that Rosh Hashanah is deliberately chosen not to be on the day of the creation of the world and instead to be on the date of the creation of the first human being, what does that mean to you, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but let's think about it. What does it mean to you? What kind of a lesson do you think it is that Hashem is trying to tell us by saying, let's commemorate not the creation of the universe. Let's commemorate the creation of the prototype human being. What does that mean to you? 34519 or WhatsApp 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so here we are, literally just days away from Rosh Hashanah. This is a big time on the calendar. Everybody's preparing. You have your guests coming. There are the various rituals that you have to perform. Apples dipped in honey. You're going to go to shul. It's, I mean, the rabbis love this time of the year, by the way, because shul's packed out and it's fantastic and people there and it, there's a vibe, there's an atmosphere. So it's a really, really powerful time of the year. And we know that the realities of next year are now being fashioned and formed. Well, not now, but I mean, over that 48 hour period. So then what do you think what could the lessons be now that we've identified that the date of the creation is not the date we celebrate Rosh Hashanah instead the date we celebrate as Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of when humans were made what do you learn from that what what does that tell you what kind of a message and I'm anticipating we're going to get various angles on this and we're going to get various perspectives, which is great. That's exactly what we want. To, that's what we want to achieve. What do, what do you think it means to you? Besides the obvious, the obvious is that it's a day for us to be introspective because if Rosh Hashanah was just purely about the creation of the world per se, well, then you could say, look, that was God's decision. That's something he came up with. doesn't necessarily have relevance to me, whereas the day he made humans, that's why I, uh, probably a day when I have to start thinking, well, uh, what am I doing as a human? How human is my human humanity? <laughs> am I, in fact, living up to whatever it is that God had in mind when he created humans? So from that perspective, that's, that might just be the most obvious of all the possibilities as to why it is that we dafka celebrate the creation of humans. But it's not necessarily the only perspective. So here's another one on Twitter from Claudio says it means that we have to take advantage of our capacity to rethink and reflect over our lives, not to fall into the same hole from the past and to ask God to give us strength to endure our walk step by step. So that, I think, speaks a little bit to what I just mentioned, right? That if it's a commemoration of the creation of humans, then it's a call to introspection. Hey, this is the day that we were made. Our race, our species, let's put it that way, our species was put into the world at this particular point in time. So let's do a self-audit on the species, and if we're not going to be able to, and we don't, we don't really have the ability to make uh, all kinds of introspections on other people's behalves. So we really only have ourselves to work with. Then that's fine. That's a good message. So look inwards and ask yourself some questions about yourself. God put humans on this planet 5,779 years ago on this day. So what do I have to show for it? I think that that's really the message that Claudia was saying over here, which resonates, as I said, with the 
so-called no-brainer message, right? It should be kind of obvious to us that if this is something that God has made, then uh, it's something that we have to think about. And if God has made a day that centers specifically on the creation of human beings, well, then it's time for us to think about the value of human beings. I know that we're always going to get humorous responses. Here's Cheski who says, what message – <laughs> My question is, if Rosh Hashanah commemorates the creation of humans and not of the world, what's the message? Chesky says, time to eat. Uh, although maybe it's not right to say in the Jewish community that eating is a frivolous matter. I don't know if it's a frivolous matter. I think it's actually quite serious business. <laughs> so maybe he wasn't even joking. Maybe he was being quite serious about it. For you, think about it for you. I mean, we all participate, right? Rosh Hashanah has to speak to each of us. We're going to be involved. We're going to not only participate in the shul service, but we're going to be doing various rituals at home. We're going to be getting together with our families. There is a sort of anticipation I think that everybody has that this should be an uplifting and inspiring time of the year. So what, what do you think? What do you think the relevance is of the fact that this is the time of the creation of humans rather than the time of the creation of the world? Now, now here's something I did not expect, and I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Here's somebody who has commented that the message is humans are self-centered and narcissistic. Okay, so there's two parts to my question on that. Number one, do you agree? Let's have that conversation. Do you agree that humans are narcissistic? One side of the conversation. Now let's look at the other side of the conversation. Do you think, assuming that that is the case, to me it's a little bit of a pessimistic view of the human race, but maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe people are self-absorbed by and large, and the people who are self-effacing are the outliers. Maybe. But uh, let's look at it from a different perspective. Is that a reason why Rosh Hashanah should Dafka commemorate the creation of humans? Would that not just fuel the fire if your concern is that people are too self-interested and self-absorbed? Then surely if you're going to make a day that says, hey, everything is about <coughs> commemorating the creation of humans, surely that's going to feed that monster that says, Yes, us, we're the pinnacle. And I know that there are definitely people who believe quite strongly that humans are the problem, that we're not nice. As this particular message says, we're narcissistic. Other people will say we're cruel. The amount of conflict that humans generate, the amount of destruction that humans are capable of. I mean, it's quite something. Have you, have you noticed how it is that people are just able to destroy good things? So... Is that really something worth commemorating on an annual basis? I'm very curious when somebody says that the lesson or the message is that humans are narcissistic. How do you reconcile that with the fact that God decided that every single year we have to have one of the most focused days on the calendar and it's all about the creation of humans. So what do you think? What other lessons could we possibly glean from the fact that Rosh Hashanah is supposed to represent the creation of humans as opposed to the creation of the world? Here is Fox Eben on Twitter. That's an interesting name. I always wonder and marvel at the Twitter handles. So he says, it reminds me that God's goal in creation was not a planet, but humanity itself. Okay, good. So that's that's good that the the plan the goal the objective was not to have 
all the pieces in the universe's puzzle, but specifically to have the people who would sit in some piece of that puzzle. Because we really are just a far-flung, tiny little piece of Earth that's orbiting around a star, as people like to describe it. And is it really? Is it really that he created all of that vastness but was most interested in us? Can you even say that? I wonder, how do you react when somebody says something like that? Because here the contention is, I want to just read it again, because uh, sometimes we read it in the original words, reminds us that Hashem's goal in creation wasn't a planet, but humanity itself. How do you respond to that, considering the vastness of the universe, considering how there is the possibility of all kinds of beings that we are unaware of, even when the Torah talks about Angels, for example, we're not aware of angels. I mean, we have some kind of abstract notion somewhere in the back of our minds that there are Jewish books that speak about spiritual creatures who are called angels. We don't really know what they are, where you find them, what they do. So is it not just a little bit uh, arrogant maybe for us to say that the purpose of creation of all of that stuff was just for us? And I've often heard people say, no, come on, you can't really believe that. Surely Surely you don't believe that everything was created just for us. And there are people who say, on the other hand, that's a dangerous perspective. When people start to believe that everything is for them, that's when they go on their trails of destruction. Because then I can kill whichever living creature I need to kill in order for me to live my life. When I can chop down as many trees as I want to pollute the waters. And all the various things that we complain that humans have done to destroy the world that we live in. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I don't think it's far off to say that there's a Jewish view that the purpose of creation was for humans. But it's definitely something that a lot of people have a difficult time wrapping their head around. So is that something that you believe? When when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, for you, is this a day where you think, yes, this is the day that reminds me that everything that exists is for the purpose of humanity and we better live up to that. And if you do think that way, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how your thinking goes. Share your thoughts on 34519. That's our SMS line. You can also WhatsApp 0618951019 and tweets keep them coming there was another tweet that appeared on my timeline over here and then disappeared so i don't know if the person deleted it which is the most likely reason it would have disappeared but keep your tweets coming at chai fm you can tweet me directly at rabbi shish now here's a community announcement from prudential investment managers a strong community is one of life's greatest assets when considering your financial assets always look for a manager who can deliver consistently as you and your family enter the new year, all of us at Prudential Investment Managers wish you good health, financial security, and peace of mind. Contact Prudential Investment Managers on their website at www.prudential.co.za. If you have just joined what uh, a pre-Rosh Hashanah have to say it's a pre-Rosh Hashanah conversation, right? Because that's what's on everybody's mind at this time of the year. You can't help but think about Rosh Hashanah. And hopefully thinking about Rosh Hashanah is not just thinking about the stress of what it is that you might still have to prepare. And that could be that could be physical things you have to prepare. It could be spiritual things that you have to prepare. So as we go into the, the day of Rosh Hashanah, my question to you is, what do you think the lesson could be in the fact that we commemorate specifically the 
creation of humans on Rosh Hashanah rather than the creation of the world. Okay, here's somebody who uh, has an unpronounceable Twitter handle, and I'm not quite sure that I get exactly what this tweet says. So I'm going to read it, and let's see if we can unpack it. This tweet says that creation is the word made flesh and humans uh, made flesh, and humans are the embodiment of the holy name, lowest sfirot. If we but knew it, Pardes is still with us. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if I understood exactly what that is supposed to mean. Maybe this was a stump the rabbi kind of message. People do that sometimes, you know, send messages that are somewhat esoteric, maybe a little bit abstract. Not sure that I understood exactly what that was supposed to mean. If somebody would like to try their hand at interpreting it, well, that would be great. Here's Shalom. Shalom says that the message is humans are complicated. Would you agree with that? Are humans complicated? If you're in the people business and you deal with people, whatever that might be, it could be in a retail shop, it could be that you're a, a medical professional, it could be that you're a teacher or just simply somebody who belongs to a community. Would you agree that humans are complicated? Is that fair to say as a very generalized statement? Is fair to say? And, the, and is that the reason why God would have said Rosh Hashanah is the commemoration of the creation of humans? Is that the reason? Don't know. I want to throw another angle at you. Very interesting angle if you think about it. So the minute I tell you, or the minute anybody tells you that Rosh Hashanah is the day that commemorates the creation of humans, you automatically think, I'm sure, along a particular stream. In other words, you think, okay, so God made humans. That means humans are valuable. We obviously have something to contribute. We did good things. We do good things. And it's probably the good things that God wanted, and that's what we're supposed to focus on. And maybe that's one of the reasons why around about this time of the year everybody feels so stressed to ensure that they have a few extra good things and that they can purge some of the not-so-good things. If you look at the history of it, if Rosh Hashanah let, – let's just, let, let just work this out quickly. If Rosh Hashanah is the day that Adam was created, then by definition – Rosh Hashanah was the day when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Because the Talmud is very clear about the fact that the original sin happened on the same day that Adam and Eve were created. Now, why is that even relevant? I mean, why are we even having this conversation? I'll tell you why. Because we like to think of Rosh Hashanah very much as a squeaky clean time. Yom Kippur is the day where we list our faults and we apologize and try to atone for them. That's Yom Kippur, not Rosh Hashanah. So isn't it interesting? Here you've got this day. This day is supposed to be the anniversary of humans, and it is equally the anniversary of human failure. And what do you think the lesson is in that? So you've got Shalom over here saying that humans are complicated. And we had that other message earlier that said that humans are self-absorbed and narcissistic. Suddenly, that's not so far off if you think about it. Think about the history being the history of humans and the history of almost immediate human failure. So what, what is the lesson? What is the message in that? Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be an upbeat time. It's supposed to be a time where we look forward to new beginnings and a new future. Why on earth would we want to dredge up the fact that humans almost immediately after being created by God's hand – not like us who grew up with somebody trying to convince us that God exists. 
They saw it with their own eyes. And they had one instruction and they couldn't keep it and it was an absolute mess. Why would we want to commemorate that at the beginning of the year? So I suppose we expand this question just a little bit further. And to add to that, the, the Talmud says that when it came time that God was planning to create humans, he brought the angels on board almost in a consult, consultation role. And he asked the angels, should we make this human being or not? And you can well imagine that the consensus of the angels was never in a million years. I mean, angels are very pure creatures. Angels don't tolerate inappropriate behavior. Angels can't relate to the idea of speaking badly about somebody else or being dishonest or cheating. They, they just can't get their head around that. In fact, for that matter, an angel can't even appreciate why it is that any of us would get excited about food. What's the big deal? It's just food. I mean, I know it's going to power your body and you're going to be able to do what you have to do, but, it, but it's not something to get excited about. Godly revelation, that's something to get excited about. So the angels have a look at this and they check the blueprints of the proposed human that's going to be created and they say, mm, no, we, we don't think this is a good idea. We don't think it's a good idea and the main reason we don't think it's a good idea is because humans are fallible and they're going to, you're going to give them uh, things to do. You're going to give them tasks. You're going to give them missions. They're going to let you down. Not only are they going to let you down, but they're going to land up doing destructive things because it's one thing to let go of an opportunity to do something positive, something altogether different where in place of doing something positive, you land up doing something destructive. So the angels, they, they're astute. The angels are not foolish. They say to God, why? Why do this? Why create a human being? And needless to say, of course, God has his reasons, and God does not rely on the endorsement of the angels, and he decides he's going to make a human being. And then, just a few hours after those human beings are put on the planet, and given their one and only instruction, they fall flat on their faces. You can only imagine what the angels had to say. The told you so's that must have come around at that time, although nobody really says to God told you so, but you, you get the picture. You can only imagine what it must have felt like for for the angels. Like this is exactly what we were concerned about. This is exactly what we did not want to happen. And look what you've gone and done. Maybe they were right. Maybe they were right. Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to make human beings. Human beings have created war. Human beings kill for sport. Human beings destroy the environment that they live in. Maybe they were right. So you could argue that there's a little bit of pushback from God to say, you know what, every single year we're going to commemorate the creation of human beings because in spite, and this is what's really important, in spite of that failure, they still have something to offer that's really valuable, that makes the whole of existence worthwhile. In fact, even you angels, your existence only becomes worthwhile once we have people. And that begs the question then, well, what do we have? What's our secret weapon? What's our great contribution that we could make as humans that no other being, whether that be an earthly being or an ethereal being, nobody else can do what we could do. So what is it? What have we got to offer? I suppose the question could be worded a little bit differently, and, and probably this is part of what we have to be thinking about over the course of Rosh Hashanah. Here's the day that God decided to invest in us. Ask yourself the question, what was he investing in? What did he see in us? What do we have to contribute? What do we have to offer that was lacking in the entire beautiful tapestry of creation until that one fallible human being came along? What is it? Is it the fact that we are innovators and perhaps there's nothing else in the whole of creation that innovates? 
or certainly not to the extent that we do? Is it about the fact that we have the ability for imagination? Is it that we can invent? Is it that we can understand deep concepts? What is it? What's the unique selling point of the human being that makes it worthwhile to have us and makes it that valuable every single year that Hashem says, let's celebrate that again, Rosh Hashanah. In fact, we're going to map out the whole year and everything that's going to happen, good, bad, and ugly, on this day because it's that central. What? What is it that we have to offer? Let's hear your thoughts on 34519 or 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so here we are coming up for Rosh Hashanah. And my question to you is, we see clearly the Talmud tells us that Rosh Hashanah is not there to commemorate the creation of the world, but rather the creation of human beings. That means that we've got something to offer. That means we've got something unique. What is it? What's our unique selling point? So earlier on, somebody had mentioned that God is interested in humanity rather than in, in creation of the world per se. And that is true, but it doesn't answer the question why. So here is, here's the thing and here's the secret. And this is why it's such a big deal. Why Rosh Hashanah is such a powerful time, not only because it's a new beginning and that is powerful. And you have to understand that according to Jewish mysticism, new beginning doesn't just mean you could turn over a new leaf. It means that God is willing and ready to pump into this world a brand new energy that's never been seen before. And we've spoken about this previously, which means whatever the history of the past year, 10 years, 10 centuries, doesn't make a difference. This year could be altogether different. And it's important that we know that because we really do believe that everything can change and please God change for the better. But besides that, the real power of Rosh Hashanah is the endorsement of the human. The real power of Rosh Hashanah is an appreciation and understanding for what it is that humans can do. Now, often you will hear, often you'll hear people talk about the great gift that God gave us in the form of free choice. And very often that's what people think, that the greatness of the human being is the ability to make free choices, right? Other creatures are able to make choices as well, but they're not necessarily free choices. That means to say those choices are influenced by circumstances, by needs, by habitat, by threats, and so forth. So that is one of the great things about human beings. But I think to contextualize this just a little bit better, it goes back to a very core question that we have as Jewish people, and the truth is that all thinking people should have, and that is if God is so great and so infinite and so powerful and so amazing, why does he need us? Why does he need – I mean – he doesn't. By definition, he can't. can't need. If you're infinite, then you can't need. Need implies that there's something missing that somebody else or something else is going to fill. Well, then you're not infinite if you've got missing pieces. So there's a very profound teaching in the Torah which says that sometimes the deepest experience that a human being can have, and the reason we have that such a deep experience is because we're a reflection of God. So by default, that expresses that it's the deepest kind of experience that God, I don't want to say has, but that God reveals is the experience of having a deep, deep passion for something where you really want something to the point that your life is almost meaningless unless you have it. And you can't rationalize why you need it or why it's important to you. It just is. It somehow sits at the core of your being. And we're told that God decided that he wants to have that kind of passion for a 
limited, finite environment, otherwise known as the physical world, which would be populated by limited, finite beings, otherwise known as humans, who, by the way, are not only limited in the sense that we have to sleep a, a couple of hours, whatever it is, five to eight hours a night. I'm sure some people are horrified to hear that and think that there needs to be a lot more. And we need to eat every few hours and we need R&R and whatever in order to survive. I'm not only talking about that kind of finite limitation, but we're finite in all kinds of ways. We can only understand a certain amount of things. Our eyes can only perceive certain frequencies of, of light. Our ears can only pick up certain frequencies of sound. And then besides all of that, we're fallible. And I think that's a really big part of this. And that's what he loves about us. He loves the imperfection. You see, when you're perfect, it's not a big cup to create an environment that is perfect. And then that perfect environment supports you in your perfection. It's not a big deal. I'll give you an illustration. If you're a teacher in a classroom, it's not difficult to be the teacher of a bunch of bright kids. It's an absolute pleasure. They get what you teach them. They ask relevant questions. They make comments. They share insight. You might even learn something from them. To walk into that classroom, what an absolute pleasure. doesn't tell us you're a good teacher. <laughs> they're good students. And if they're good students, perhaps even an average teacher would be able to get some good out of them. Of course, a, a great teacher will get greatness out of great students in a way that nobody else would, but you get the picture. Whereas if you had a teacher who walked into a classroom of not such great students, people who have learning difficulties, people who have a hard time focusing, they can't sit still, they're distracted, they've always been told that they're not academic, or maybe they aren't academic. And then you walk into that classroom, teacher walks into that classroom and gets those kids to be enthusiastic about the class and the information being taught. And better than that, gets those kids to retain that information. Gets those kids to love coming to school. Then we can say, okay, now you've really achieved something. Because to get a group of good people to love something that's good is not a big hub. To get a world of perfection to endorse God who is perfect, not a big hub. So let's make humans. And humans are not going to always get it right. And they're not necessarily always going to see things the way that they should or do things the way that they should. In fact, on the contrary, they're often going to mess up. In fact, no sooner were humans made and they were already messing things up. That's the message of Rosh Hashanah. Right from day one, as we got out of the starting blocks, so we were dropping the ball. And that's okay. Because God wasn't looking for perfection. He was looking to achieve something which by all accounts is actually impossible. To take his infinite self and have it captured by very finite beings. So Rosh Hashanah really is the story of creating a world. We don't know what the nature of that world is going to be. It could be that right at the beginning when Hashem created the world, He was going to populate it with the human version of angels. Beings that just get up in the morning and as soon as they open their eyes, they're singing God's praises and they're running around at high speed looking to do whatever is in their capacity to serve Him. We don't know. We don't know what's coming when that world is created. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what kind of opportunities it's going to have. So we don't know if this is an exercise that's that's actually worthwhile. Maybe it's an exercise which is quite 
superficial. It's exactly like taking a group of people who you know love you, put them around you and say, I'm a popular person because I have people around me. No, they love you already. How do you become popular with the people who don't necessarily love you? Or sometimes are the opposite of that. That's the real challenge. So for us, Rosh Hashanah is that day. Rosh Hashanah is that time of this incredible insight that to be a human means to be imperfect and to be a human means to have your serious limitations and to be a human being means you're going to fulfill the purpose of it all because the purpose is not pristine. The purpose is not angelic. The purpose is not perfection the purpose is you and i breaking our teeth over the hebrew in shul on rosh hashanah wishing the service wasn't so long keeping one finger at the end of the service and trying to see how thick the page the pages are in between where we're at now and where it's all going to end that's actually what it's all about it's all about that person who drags themselves out of bed for the one time a year where they go to shul. They don't really want to be there necessarily, but they feel compelled that they have to be there. That's the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is two people who don't really get along. They don't see eye to eye, and they find it very easy to fall into a faribble. But they're going to try their best to get over their major differences and be civil towards each other and not always Look askance and not always criticize and not always speak badly about each other. That's the purpose. 5,779 years ago, God launched a project which is a completely, if you think about it, irrational project about creating imperfect beings who would be the perfect way to fulfill his goal. And that's us. And that's what Rosh Hashanah is about. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So as we're headed to Rosh Hashanah, and this is it, this is the final stretch. The next time we're on air together, please God, it's going to be a different year. It's going to be a whole new energy. So as we head to Rosh Hashanah, we shouldn't get too caught up in our hang-ups. We shouldn't get too worried and stressed about the fact that, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really perfect. No, you're not. And you're not intended to be. And you're never going to be. So as much as a Jewish mother would love her children to be the most amazing people on the planet, fact of the matter is we're all going to have our foibles. That's how it's going to be. We're going to have our idiosyncrasies. We're going to let ourselves down. We're going to let the team down. That's what's going to happen, and that's okay. That's not an excuse. That's not to say we shouldn't work hard. We're required to work hard. What God wanted in this world of imperfection is he wanted people to do their level best and more. He wanted people to Push those boundaries. I, I, there was a clip that, that's doing the rounds today. I don't know if anybody saw it on social media. It's a unit in the IDF of people with special needs. So you have like Down syndrome and uh, various other kinds of challenges that people have. And there they are, a unit in the IDF. And the, the tagline over there is that when you have a clear vision – then you can achieve all kinds of amazing things. So there's no excusing laziness. There's no excusing failure. That's not the idea at all. Rosh Hashanah is a, an endorsement. It's God saying, you know what? In spite of the fact that you're going to mess up, you have the ability not to continue that way. You have the ability to become somebody who is far better, not perfect. Again, I emphasize that, not perfect, but far better than you think that you could be. Just like there was this creation originally of an Adam and Eve. And maybe the reason that they failed was because they didn't realize just how powerful they could be. And they didn't realize how much influence they would have over the whole of history by a certain decision that they made. 
but we, we need to think that along the same ways. We don't necessarily know what kind of impact we could have. So let's not get caught up in the who am I perspective. Rosh Hashanah is you're valuable enough worth your shortcomings to have a whole day dedicated to you and your kind every single year. And that's why it is that we have the celebration of Rosh Hashanah, not at the anniversary of creation, but the anniversary of humans. So that we know that humans are where it's at. Humans are what it's all about. Humans have the capacity to do amazing things in spite of their shortcomings, not only once they get rid of those shortcomings. And I think that that's something we could think about and, and maybe meditate on a little bit over the course of the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah. So hopefully you're headed to Rosh Hashanah this year feeling quite focused, feeling inspired, feeling ready to do great things. There's a tradition that on the day of Rosh Hashanah or even just before Rosh Hashanah comes in that you undertake something in your own Jewish growth that you normally would never have thought of doing. And that's exactly what we're talking about over here because it's not about doing everything that you are expected to do. It's about doing one more thing than what you had been doing until now. And out of that you might just find Greatness and strength and power and inspiration and influence and all the wonderful things that God believes absolutely that we are capable of. So I'd like to take this opportunity, uh, or I suppose also on behalf of everybody here at Chaifen, but I want to take this opportunity to wish you and your family, Shana Tova, as we always say, Kasiva Vachasima Tova, you should be written and you should be sealed for the richest blessings that Hashem has for us in the coming year. Very often we think we know which brochas we need, but we can trust that God knows exactly what we need. May he give all of that to us and to all the people we know with an open and extended and generous hand. May this be a year of good news, of good health, of success, of nachas, of peace, and most importantly, of the ultimate state that the Jewish people look for at all times, which is the coming of Moshiach. It will be a great way to start the new year.